1: oh yeah baby
2: you know
0: mitch They love your cougars
1: mitch harper good afternoon cougar nation and welcome to a new edition of the cougar tracks podcast on kslsports.com i'm your byu insider mitch harper BYU football fall camp is off and running. Exciting times for the Cougars as they gear up for the 2022 season. We'll have you covered here on Cougar Tracks and throughout the football season. Cougar Tracks podcast is streaming live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the KSL Sports YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. It's also available in podcast form on all major podcasting platforms. It's Friday, August 5th. Here's the roadmap for today's show. Recap from day one of fall camp. I'll share some additional thoughts that maybe I didn't get to in the breakdown with Matt Biamonte, so I'll hit on that. I'll paint the picture from fall camp, what it was like to be back at the facility covering camp. And then also, BYU football gets another commitment from Big 12 Country So we'll hit on that and a whole lot more here in Cougar Tracks. But again, fall camp day one was the big noteworthy news story yesterday from BYU. And it was a lot of fun being down there. Let me just kind of paint the picture for what it was like at practice. So there was a lot of media there, a lot of TV, a lot of print, a lot of digital, a lot of radio. We were all up on the balcony. TV people were down on the field. We got about 20 minutes of media observation. And out of that 20 minutes, about six of those minutes were spent on watching the players take a water break. <laughs> but still, it's better than nothing. Let me just say that. It's, it's better than no visibility at all. So I appreciate just getting the little morsels of of BYU football content at camp and we got to see a little bit of the live portion 11 on 11 work during practice but we were on the balcony at the student athlete building and and that's where I like to watch practice I'm I'm not a big field level guy when it comes to football honestly I always marvel at how coaches can make in-game adjustments from the sideline I know they have their coaching staff up in the booth but I just don't feel like I see the full scope down at field level. So I, I always love having a higher perch to watch practices or games. I, when it comes to football, I just want to be up high. Even in basketball a little bit, I kind of like seeing everything develop. That's just me, though. I, I, I know that some probably like to be on the field and see, hear the sounds, hear the, the pads cracking I like being on a higher perch. It also reminds me of the old BYU practices back in the day with Bronco Mendenhall era where a bunch of Cougar fans would squeeze into that balcony. Yeah, those were good times. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, You know, it was also cool, too. I ran into former BYU safeties coach Barry Lamb. Yeah, Barry Lamb. Remember him? I, I caught up with him a little bit. was chatting it up, and he's doing good. He's living in the area out in uh, near Utah Lake, he's doing well, and he's impressed with what Kalani Satake's is doing in the football program. So it was cool to catch up with Barry Lamb because I see this guy with a with an arm cast on and a tie dye shirt. And I'm like, that I'm pretty sure that's Barry Lamb. I go up to him and start chatting it up, and it was fun. It was fun kind of going down memory lane with uh, with Coach Lamb a little bit. But some of my additional notes from fall camp, and I apologize on my voice, too. Uh, I did a lot of talking yesterday, so my voice is kind of (laughs) shot. I feel like I got to start resting it a bit for tomorrow's show for Cougar Sports Saturday, which, by the way, noon to 3, we're going to have Gunnar Romney on the program. You don't want to miss that, a two-on-one. Myself, Matt Biamonte, caught up with Gunnar Romney. Uh, But here's some of my notes. From camp, uh, one of the noteworthy things is always the players that are not on the roster. Chaz Ayu, Lasila Tai, Maury Bamba, Caleb Christensen. They were some of the noteworthy guys, but it seems like it's all going to be okay. You know, I just think with Chaz, it's interesting. We talked about this coming into fall camp. Where does he fit? Does he fit at linebacker? Does he fit at safety? He's going to line up at linebacker if he plays uh, when he's fully healthy because he's added some weight to his frame. Looks good. But I just wonder, that linebacker spot is so deep right now because Peyton Wilgar and Keenan Peely, they were participating in the live portion of practice. So if they're ready to go, and then you have Max Tooley, you have Ben Bywater, you have Pepe Tanavasa, you still have Morgan Piper, you still have Kavika Gagne, who Kevin Kloon is really high on. Where does Chaz Ayu fit in the pecking order? I feel like Chaz is a gamer, and I think he's a guy that makes an immediate impact anywhere he can go if he's if he's given the time and the and the comfort knowing this is my spot, I'm gonna master it. But if he's still dealing with an injury, last year he was dealing with a hamstring. You wonder if, you know, he has a redshirt year available. Do you kind of explore that? Allow him to play maybe only four games, kind of get some reps in, but then he's part of The roster in year one of the Big Twelve, and he could be one of the key linebackers because I think Peyton Wilgar, Keenan Peely, if everything goes well for them, they probably want to move on and try to you know take a hand at at being in the NFL, as rightfully so. So that's always one of the noteworthy things in day one of campus. Who's not on the roster? And Lasaylati. Lasaylati, I'm excited to see him eventually. But a name that we have heard since 2016. Lasila Tite was part of the first Kalani Satake recruiting class. He's only a sophomore, and he's still yet to show up on campus. When he arrives on campus, that will be a noteworthy occasion, I must say. Kalani Satake laid out the priorities that he has for his team during BYU football fall camp. Here are those.
2: Keep like competing, earn spots uh we're trying to develop our, our, our young players but at the same time we need to get our team ready to roll and then um you know just get our guys I, right now we're not focused on the opponent we're focused on trying to get our our foundation set for our offense get our identity set for our defense offense, special teams and then uh then we'll head towards uh, uh getting closer to the opponent once we get closer to the game but right now we're competing against each other and and uh as far as what we can do with without the pads on, I, I like that the competition. Is as physical as I mean, probably a little bit too physical, but it's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll these guys will be fine. We just gotta wait to do some of the banging until we get the pads on.
1: The physicality of camp is going to be an interesting storyline for BYU Kalani. There was one year, I think it was 2018, where he let the quarterbacks go live and they were taking hits. i was thinking this is crazy. Never seen this before. So Kalani's never held back and. You know, it's tough in football. I think one of the interesting things about this camp is how do you juggle the guys that you know are proven commodities, make sure that they're ready for games, but also keep them dialed into the playbook and master it and fine-tune their execution with the plays. It's a tough balance because, honestly, I don't need to see Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney in practice. I know what they can do. But at the same time, you want to have that chemistry with Jaron Hall and. Heck, I don't even need to see Jaron Hall much in fall camp. I know what that guy can do. Jaron looked really good in day one. He didn't have the big highlight throws at all. A lot of it was check down throws. But the thing is with Jaron is that he goes through his reads very well. He does it in a timely manner that's really quick, decisive. He just looked like a guy that was in full command of BYU's offense and he was not wasting any time in making decisions. And again, none of his throws were eye-popping during the media observation portion. He had some nice throws to uh, Dallin Holker and and Jacob Conover did as well during the uh, B-roll session from BYU. But uh, I just think that Jaron's going to have a, a huge year this year for BYU. He just seems to have so much command. And the touch on his throws, too, it just... It spins different. I, it's an indescribable thing, but just the way that his the ball is coming off his hands this year, it just looks crisper. It looks quicker. It just looks good. Jaron Hall is doing a nice job, and he's just in full control. And it's also cool too to see that he's now the leader of the program. Last year, he's in a three man race, but even last year, after day one of camp, I said, "Here's your starter." Jaron Hall's the guy. I mean, that 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 was it was evident right there from the jump. But now it's clear. He he's the face of the program. And I uh, I think he's stepped in nicely as being the leader of this BYU team. Back to Chaz Ayu. This was Kalani when I asked him what Chaz's status is with this BYU team during fall camp. And Kalani kind of put people at ease. Chaz is gonna be okay.
2: Going no, he's forward. in in fall camp. If guys aren't practicing today, then it's usually ninety percent of them, are, are because they're not uh, cleared yet, not one hundred percent healthy, right? So, uh, in his in his in his uh, Chaz's example, he's he's not ready to go, and we're not we're not gonna force it. So, we still have a whole month to, to go and, and and some time. So, we're gonna make sure that we work with our our specialists and, and get him in the right position to, to be healthy first before he takes the field. One of the notable things about BYU
1: and its roster, I've talked a lot about it on the podcast, that they've had a little bit of a numbers crunch, how they've had a surplus of guys. They had to cut a lot of personnel from the roster due to just having way too many guys. Uh, they can carry 123 players on the roster when week one, when school uh, goes into session in, in, in the fall semester. Right now they can carry 110 on day one roster, they had 109. And with these injuries, it allows guys that maybe were player 111, 112 to step in and maybe get a look in front of the coaches and put some film out there for the team. Because uh, a lot of these guys, it could be red shirts, it could be gray shirting, uh, a lot of different components here in play. Uh, but Chaz's J- situation is is noteworthy just from the standpoint of where does he fit in that linebacker room? Because you've got the proven stars at the top. And you just wonder how much of a role can he have? Does he go back to the Cinco spot? But his body is different now. He's, he's added a lot of weight uh, compared to last season.
0: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds.
1: Uh, White jerseys with royal blue numbers, a little bit of a tidbit there uh, with practice. I thought they looked pretty crisp. Uh, New BYU equipment gear doing a nice job. Christopher Brooks is going to be very, very good. Uh, You know, Brooks, to me, has the makings to be a 1,000-yard rusher for BYU if he stays healthy. I just think that he is a perfect fit. I think it's going to emerge where he could be that bell cow back and there's not a second guy needed. I mean, you're going to have the depth and if available to give him a breather. But Chris Brooks is going to be so good for this BYU team and behind that offensive line, the foundation of where it all starts. Every practice that I've seen Chris Brooks in during spring and yesterday in fall camp, he has looked great. And I think he's just a a natural fit in this wide zone offense. And I think also he's a really good receiver out of the backfield. I think he might be a better receiver out of the backfield than Tyler Algier. So I think Chris Brooks is going to be insanely good for BYU. If you're a guy that's, I know I get some like fantasy college football listeners on this show. Cause some of you hit me up in the DMS and ask for Intel on the team and stuff like that. Chris Brooks, man, that's a deep, Flyer, deep sleeper, he's gonna be really good this season for BYU. I also thought Jackson McChesney looked good. Uh, he was a target out of the backfield quite a few times for Jaron Hall, uh, Jackson. His speed is undeniable, and if he's a guy that can get some opportunities to to play, uh, he'll make the most of his opportunities this year. Uh, Jordan Howard, a grad assistant, I noticed he was working with the tight ends a little bit different uh, last year. Uh, Elisa Tuiaki, he was sporting a mustache. See I like to, when it was such a limited window, I like to give these extracurricular things to kind of paint the picture for practice to you so you can kind of just get a a complete visual. I can tell you till I'm blue in the face, like, this guy got a run to the left for four yards. This guy had a check down for six yards. You can only take in so much of that. What does it actually do? But just these other little tidbits in fall camp I always find a little bit amusing. And Elisa Tuiaki looks pretty good with the stash. Uh, Aaron Roderick, when I asked him at Media Day, I said, are you uh, going with the mustache in honor of Top Gun? And You might as well have just, you, you would have thought Aaron Roderick was talking to an alien. He's like, what? Top Gun? What are you talking about? <laughs> These guys did not have time for, for pop culture and for <laughs> Miles Teller this offseason. Maybe Coach E did. I don't know. I'll have to ask him. The, the mustache looks pretty good, though. Uh, Atunai Samahe was another guy that was not suited up. Uh, he was dealing with a shoulder during spring ball. He's working his way back. Um, the offensive line, they were interchanging a lot of guys. Uh, you saw Kingsley Suamata'ia at right tackle, a little bit of left tackle. You also saw Harris Lachance at right tackle. Campbell Barrington getting some time at guard. Harris LeChance at guard. A lot of options at Daryl Funk's disposal when it comes to this offensive line. And they are big, they are impressive, and they are going to be very good this season. You know, I think with this team, I just look at that offense and I go to myself, where's the weakness? If you have Isaac Rex healthy who was out there doing more than
2: everyone thought he would, and this is Kalani Satake on Isaac Rex. He's limited, but um, not as limited as what you think when you saw the injury. He he probably did more today than I thought he was going to do, but it's all by design. I mean, I just it just seemed like when I turned around, he was always on, in, on the field. I'm like, hey, is he supposed to be doing this? But that's Coach Clark and a they're, they're they're managing that really well.
1: Where's the weakness for this BYU offensive line? BYU offense in general, I don't see the I don't see a weakness. Drunk rights go BYU. Shorts all year, right? Chaz is going to Redshirt. Yeah, very likely. Plays four games, then is a key cog in the Big 12 era. I just remember last year when I was working with Chaz on Cougar Tracks, he even said that on the show, you know, he didn't want to have to wait another year because you have to still be a student. But for him, you want to maximize your ability as a football player. He wants to get to the NFL. If you're still dealing with an injury, take it slow. Work your way back. That's the nice thing about COVID. That's the nice thing about the, the four-game redshirt rule is it allows you to still get some game in, but maintain your options going forward into the future. Wouldn't be the worst thing at all for Chaz Allia to be a redshirt guy this season. Jacob Robinson uh, had a tip ball, and Michael Daly came down with it. Michael Daly is someone that bright future ahead for Michael Daly. Been singing his praises for a while here on the podcast. He was a guy that had a ton of sacks at Lone Peak High School. He's another name at linebacker that I failed to mention. Uh, you know, he he's someone that I think he's going to be a, a very good player defensively. I was watching the defensive line too, and my guy that I thought was going to be a a riser in fall camp. We saw a little bit of early signs of that. Is Fisher Jackson. I Fisher played pretty well in day one of camp. Still kind of tough to get a complete read when they're not in the pads. But Fisher Jackson, uh, going to make the most of his opportunities, I believe, with Logan Fano out. I, couldn't, I would not be surprised if maybe we see him as that O.E. Earl EOT Mariner, too, looked pretty good. Uh, Tyler Batty. And, you know, a guy that, a freshman that I've been kind of monitoring, Isaiah Moe, didn't see much of him in the media observation. He was on the sideline, I saw him. Uh, I think it's just kind of taking a little bit of time for Moa and you know, that speaks, I think that's a positive sign. I think for BYU's defensive line that Moa hasn't just stepped in and been the alpha, been the top dog from the get go. You've seen some of these upperclassmen improving their abilities to where this heralded freshman, who I think a lot of us myself included, thought Isaiah Moa was just going to step in and be a dude from the get go. Uh, That has not been the case so far. And, I think it's another sign that maybe this defense could be surprising to folks this season. Uh, Miles Davis was a surprise. Physically, looks like he's added some weight. Uh, his legs, huge. Miles Davis is a big dude. Uh, I, I thought he was uh, pretty impressive. Brooks Miley, M. Morris chimes in. Brooks Miley suffered an injury uh, in the offseason. I talked to Elisa Tuyaki about Brooks Miley. It's also on a podcast. You can listen to it. You're on Cougar tracks. Uh, Brooks Miley might be out for the year. There was a few drop passes uh, during practice, which was unfortunate. And I always point to drop passes. I think back to those days in the open practice era when Austin Collie. I think he had one drop pass and the man probably wanted to blow a gasket with how angry he got. By dropping a pass. Just drops in general don't happen. And Keanu Hill had a drop and Ethan Erickson had a drop. You can't have that. Especially for guys that are in competitions. Keanu Hill got the good bloodlines with Roy Williams, his uncle. His dad was a former Texas Tech player. Uh, Keanu Hill was a riser last season. One of the better receivers for BYU towards the tail end. Uh, but you know, it's stuff like that that creates an opportunity for Chase Roberts and Cody Epps to step in and maybe be wide receiver three. I think the thing is, is that all those receivers are going to play. I don't think it's going to be where Fessy is just fixated on three guys this year. Like in 2019, he was set on three guys. I think he's going to be willing to dig into his bench a little bit. You're going to go with Gunnar Romney and Pukunuku all the time, but. Uh he he will play Chase Roberts, Cody Epps, and Keanu Hill quite a bit this season. Uh Sioni offensive tackle from Arizona State. Didn't see him go live, uh, but I saw him on the sideline, and that dude is a freak. Six foot seven, three twenty-five. First time I got to see my eyes on him in person. He is massive. And if let's say Blake Freeland moves on to the NFL next season, offensive tackles of say maybe Campbell Barrington and Kingsley or Sioni Vicoso, that's not bad. He, he was impressive. I could see why he was an under the radar guy at Arizona state as maybe a dark horse to be a starting right tackle. Physically very impressive athlete. I, I mean, he, There's not going to be pressure on him to play this year for BYU, but I think he's going to make the travel roster. Uh, We did see a quick screen from Jaron Hall to Cody Epps, where Cody Epps showed a little bit of his speed. Also saw a screen to Mason Fakahua. You know, Mason Fakahua is a name that I've heard for, gosh, since the Bronco era, I think. I think he got offered in 2015, I want to say. He was a quarterback at Cedar High School, really good athlete, He's kind of finding his groove a bit at running back. Probably a fourth, fifth guy, but there's depth. I mean, everywhere across the board on this offense, they're pretty loaded. The only thing that's going to be the knock on BYU is just how do they fare against this tough competition? But they've got the personnel. They've got the depth to navigate injuries and do a lot better job because a lot of these guys, too, have played in games, and they've contributed. So... It was it was an impressive team, and there's still a long way to go. September 3rd against South Florida, 29 days till kick. It's getting here very fast, four weeks away till kickoff. But uh, I just think that this team has a lot to be excited about. And I know I was kind of a little bit down on the prospects of this being a special year just because of the quality of the schedule, but... The personnel is the best I've seen since BYU became an independent. I mean, there were years when BYU was in independence, and I just thought, you know, you could probably trim 20, 25 of these scholarship guys. Not to say that they weren't good players, but BYU wants to play P5 football teams week in, week out for the most part. Tough schedules. Some of the rosters just weren't built to have success against those type of teams. This year's team is. There's not many opponents that I look at on this schedule and say, BYU's just going to be outclassed. I don't think there's any opponent, honestly. It's just, they're going to be tough games. Can they win a bunch of 50-50 ball games? Baylor's going to be 50-50. Notre Dame is. Oregon, you're going to probably be an underdog. Can you come away with those victories? That's the question. Uh, but if they, if they pull out a 10-win season this year, it would be Kalani Satake's best coaching job uh, because you would be able to get a team that's got high expectations and deliver and take another step forward with the program heading into the Big 12 era. But it was a lot of fun at fall camp. Had a great time. Uh, We will be back. The media will on Monday. So that'll be day four of Camp Kalani. We'll be down there in Provo. So stay tuned for that. Uh, M. Morris writes, finally build some great depth. I, I agree. BYU has definitely done a nice job with building that depth and they've also built the future recruiting pipeline as they added another commitment late last night Andrew Heining uh, a defensive lineman from Oklahoma 6 foot six 255 pound lineman he committed to BYU last night so the latest addition in the class of 2023 for BYU. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast. I hope all of you enjoyed it as always. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already. Leave a rating and a review. It helps out the show a ton. I will be back on Monday with a live podcast. So stay tuned for that at noon. And then have post-camp practice updates for your listening pleasure from Camp Kalani down in Provo. So stay tuned for that. Football season is off and running. Cannot wait. BYU football in 2022 is going to be a good time. So I'll talk to you on, well, tomorrow on KSL News Radio and then on Monday here on Cougar Tracks. Catch you then here on the Cougar Tracks podcast powered by KSLSports.com.